This is the Sanctuary LA podcast. We are a real church for real people in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. I want to be able to talk about the things that are affecting people on a daily basis. So we laid the foundation um, with the word. We, we had scriptures that we shared about how God is, does not like prejudice, that if you can't love your brother who is seen, how can you love a God who is unseen? And we really challenged your thinking on your perspective. So this week, um, we're gonna have a panel. You see the three chairs up here. Um, and we have a few people who are gonna share a few things from their heart. Um, we have some questions that have come in that we're going to address. Um, and we want you to hear from them, um, kind of what God, how God is working through them, how God is moving through them, and just their own personal experiences and how they've had to navigate through some of those things. And just to jump in here before we introduce our panelists, I am going to answer the first question on here. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank yes, you, Lord. Um, thank you God. that you are in the middle of everything that's going on in this world. I thank you, Lord, that as people of God, as children of God, as kingdom people, that you've planted us here, you've positioned us here in this world to be a voice for people, to, to stand for injustice, to stand for what's right, to be the love of God in a world that's hungering and, and dying. And I just pray, Father, that in this conversation, that you would be glorified. I pray, Lord, that in this time that you would move on the hearts of your people so that as we go into life, we can be the light of God, we can be the love of Jesus, that people would know that we're different, not just because of what we say, but because of how we live. And I just pray, Father, that you be magnified and glorified in this conversation today. Yes, in the Lord. mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Um, amen. Um, do you want me to invite up the panelists or do you want me to jump right in? Actually, we can invite them up and you can answer it. If the panelists, if you guys would just come up, come on, give it up for our panelists here. Come on up here, guys. All right, all right. I'll, I'll introduce them and then my wife can. Um, so stoked to have you guys. We've got an awesome uh, group here. I'll kind of introduce them one by one and just make them feel real awkward and uncomfortable. That's my goal. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that to Pastor Nick here, though. He's used to this. No. But um, to my left here, your right, far left, your right, this is Raquel uh, right here. Yes, right here. And um, Raquel, Raquel is actually on staff at our OC campus. She's on our creative team. And uh, I lead a, a staff meeting every Tuesday, and she actually leads the prayer portion of that. Um, so if you have any prayer needs, write them down, give them to her. She... <laughs> You will get a breakthrough, guaranteed. <laughs> Raquel's like, oh, thanks, thanks for that. She's like, I got enough to pray for. No, she's an awesome woman of God. Um, and uh, her family's originally from Louisiana, and she's from the OCLA area. She actually used to work right down the street before she got saved. We ain't gonna tell you where it was, but no, I'm just playing. No, she's like, literally, she uh, loves LA, loves to even come and visit when she can. We're so stoked she's a part of this panel. She's a woman of God, great to have her. Come on, give it up for Raquel. <laughs> So, and just the ethnic context here is Raquel's dad is black, her mom is white, and so anyway, that's, I wouldn't normally just throw that out there randomly, but <laughs> race and relationships, all right, we got some mixed kids in this church and some mixed people, so help us out, Raquel, because we got some mixed kids over here. So, 
Um, so yeah, no, really, we're stoked you're here. And then in the middle here is uh, Ana Gabriela here. Everybody give it up for Ana. Ana is... Um, Anna's been a part of our church for some time, just uh, serving in different areas. And she's, um, she actually uh, was uh, born and, and raised to some, some degree in Echo Park. Uh, before what it is today. It's, those of you that know, know what I'm talking about. So she's from the Echo Park area. Um, and then she now lives in the Downey area. And, um, and she, she has a degree in sociology from um, Cal State Long Beach. And so, yeah. yeah. She's, uh, yeah. One of the smart folks in the church, you know. You need, you need smart people in church. Somebody say amen. Yeah, so, uh, so we're stoked to have her. She's also going to be leading one of our connect groups in the new year, so we're excited about that. <laughs> All right. Okay, so yeah, everybody give it up for Gabby. All right. I'm taking, I'm taking time. All right, and then we have here, past to my left, everybody. Yeah. So, so Raquel's next, and Gabby's actually, uh, she's uh, from Guatemala, well, she's first generation American, but she's Guatemalan. That's, uh, yeah, that's where her parents are from, from Guatemala. Uh, Mayan-Guatemalan heritage there. And then Pastor Nick is black, if you were wondering. Mayan hair is black. So, yeah. <laughs> so, no. Uh, and so, uh, Pastor Nick has history in the church. His parents are pastors, grew up in the church world. He's originally from Compton, um, and so he's from L.A. Yeah. yeah. Moses, like, what's he screaming about? No. Uh, so, yeah, we're stoked. And Nick is such a blessing to this house. Um, we have ordained him as a pastor here in Sanctuary L.A., doing an amazing job. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. we're ready. Yes, we're ready. All right. Yeah. So um, we're going to jump. I'm, I'm not going to be up on the panel today. Um, I, so I'm just going to answer one of the questions that came in. You might see me trying to sneak back up on the stage because conversations like this stir my heart. Um, and yeah. it's something that I'm very uh, passionate about personally. But I will try and restrain myself and stay in my seat. But I do want to answer this one question. Um, the question that came in was, do you feel like the media perpetuates racism? And um, to answer that plainly, yes. Um, what I will say to that, though, is, um, and this is a challenge to everyone in this room, uh, myself included, um, we have to be so, as Christians now, we have to be so careful about um, what we take in and how much of, of things that we take in and how we filter those things when we take them in. And what I found is, and this is some of what the media does, and this is not a hate on for the media, just so everybody knows, I don't have a hate on for the media, but what sometimes happens is you'll see on TV um, a black young adult, young man gets shot and killed and the automatic assumption is that he was part of a gang. He was gang-related, had to be, or he was a troublemaker. You see, um, could be Hispanic on there, in trouble with the law, and you think, oh, they're illegal, they got caught, they're gonna get sent home. I'm talking to prejudices now that are in people when they're just watching the news. Um, you see a, a white male go and shoot up a church, a school. They're dealing with mental illness. 
and we just need to attack mental illness. And, and the reality is that is not always the case. And those stereotypes are perpetuated in the media, yes, um, but as believers, we have to, to filter through information. That's right. Amen. Yes, there's elements of truth to certain parts of stories, and you have to be able to navigate through the media yourself. You can't take everything at face value. You can't take anything at face value. Even when you're in church, you should be taking the word and going home and studying it for yourself and, and looking in the word and seeing if it's true. So how much more so do we do that when we're watching TV and information is being thrown at us all the time, social media, all the time. We're just getting all this stuff. It just keeps coming, it's nonstop, even more so recently. And the challenge to believers is regardless of what the situation was, regardless of whether they were in a gang or not, regardless whether they were illegal or not, regardless of whether they're dealing with mental illness or not, somebody in that situation lost somebody. Mm -hmm. And if compassion doesn't rise up in you as a believer, then I would challenge you, mm -hmm. where is your heart? Mm -hmm. what, are, what is churning inside of you that God needs to deal with? Mm -hmm. Because good. the Bible says that Jesus, when he came upon crowds, it always yeah. says, a lot of times it says he was moved with compassion. That's right, that's right. There was no way of knowing who ever, well, he knew because he was God, but everyone has a story. But when you see those stories on the news, if your heart isn't breaking for the family that was affected, for the families that were lost, whether it's the, the person who committed the crime or the person who lost somebody, in that situation, everybody loses something. Mm -hmm. Amen. Compassion should rise up inside of you. And I wanna challenge you, regardless of what the media throws at you, we know what the word of God says. We know what our stance is, that we will love people. Amen. Period. That's right, love people. Period. So I want, when you look at that stuff and when it keeps coming at you, and I'll close with this, mm -hmm. um, don't become overwhelmed mm -hmm. with what's being thrown at you. Just as much as, as that stuff is being thrown at you, even more so, you should dig into the word and get the heart of God. Mm. If you're finding, and I've found this for myself, like just recently, when all of this stuff was going down with the police brutality, with, with, um, with Colin Kaepernick, with just all the different voices that are out there, I had to take a step back and pray. I had to be like, Lord, deal with what's churning in here because not all of what's coming up is Jesus. Not all of what I'm thinking is filtered through the word of God. So then I have a challenge then to get into the word. Lord, recalibrate my thinking. Recalibrate my heart. We need to be renewed in our minds. And the renewing in our minds comes from spending time in the word and spending time in the presence of God. So I wanna challenge you. Does the media perpetuate um, racism? Yes. So 
So what are you going to do about it? Amen. That's good. How are you going to take it and shift it and change it so it doesn't so it doesn't play into people's stereotypes. Don't be what the media expects you to be. You be who God has called you to be. Amen. And whether that means you stand alone sometimes and whatever that is, it may mean that. Mm-hmm. It may mean that you are the only person in your family that's standing alone for what is right. But ultimately, like we said last week, you alone will be standing before God. You're not going to be standing before God with your, I'm not standing before God next to my husband. I have to account for my life. Lord, did I do what you called me to do? Did I speak up when you expected me to speak up? Did I love even when it was hard to love? Good. So I want to challenge you in that. That's question number one. It's going to get even better after this. All right. Here we go. All right. Give it up for Crystal Gale. Here we go. So I just want to, I'm going to read a comment that was submitted. It wasn't a question. It was a comment. I thought it was good to read. I, when we were reading these, Pastor Nick was like, man, some of those comments are just good to read. It wasn't somebody asking a question, just making a comment. And it was, um, and then I have a question. And I'll start with Pastor Nick here. Um, I get frustrated a lot with the injustice all around. Once again, they they submitted this. I get frustrated a lot with the injustice going around. And so here's here's the question here. Um, I'll start with you, Pastor Nick. Uh Um, Let's just jump right into it. Uh, Share a time when you experienced prejudice and how did you walk through it? Um... So, you know, what's interesting is, is in being a part of this panel, one of the things I think about is, is sometimes for me, um, because my experiences have happened, it's been a little while. It was definitely before coming back to church. And so I, I took a little while okay. for me to kind of pull it back out. But I'll give you two instances. Uh, the first one was really like, uh, it was a little challenging because I was much younger. So this is elementary school, and I remember, um, and this is just overt racism, and then I'll give you a prejudice story, but um, I was in a class, like sixth grade, and there was only, and this is in Fontana, California, so it's only three of us black folk in the class. <laughs> um, but this kid, uh, this kid, I don't know what happened. I, we were probably uh, cracking jokes on him or something, uh, but this kid, he ended up, drawing this picture of the three black people in the class um, hanging uh, and with like crayon as if it red crayon with blood Um, and I'll never forget that because it was one of the first experiences where I really saw my parents angry like I mean my parents are black so they get upset for a lot of stuff like if you don't clean your room and stuff like that Um, that's a cultural thing Um, so they get upset about a lot uh, but, um, but this was a moment where I knew like, okay, this is like, this is serious. And for me as a kid, I was just like, oh, that's cool. We'll just go handle it at school the next day. Like no problem. But my parents really knew obviously the significance of the event. Um, wow. and it got so serious where, um, my dad was borderline, like, where does the kid live at? Um, and so that's how I know he was upset. He was really like, where does he live? And I'm like, I don't know. I just know his name. I just know he's in my class. Um, but that was the first instance for me. Um, and that's when I realized like, man, like 
this is going to be a challenge. When we moved to Fontana, um, the first thing um, all of us kids thought were like, man, ain't no black people in Fontana. <laughs> like, this is serious. This is real. Like, there's no black people in Fontana. And the moment we got to the school, it was like, man, we the only ones. Like, it's just, it's just us. So we were like looking on the playground, like, where's the rest of them? Like, oh, okay, cool. That's my homie over there. Oh, that one too. So it was really difficult wow. anyway, but to have that type yeah. of experience um, made it that much worse. Um, and, and the one thing that I remember is that uh, after my parents were so angry about it, after they were really upset and steaming, uh, they did sit us down and explain um, a lot of what we would have to deal with. Um, before this incident, it was a lot of like, hey, you're a Christian, this is what you're going to have to deal with. And after the incident, it was like, you're black, this is what you're going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a very tough conversation for them, and I could, and I could see that. Um, but not only did they give me that wisdom of how to navigate through that situation and being mindful of your surroundings and being mindful of people that you run in, that you come in contact with, but my parents were, um, my parents were always adamant about if they touch you first, respond appropriately. Uh, and you know what that means. And so not only, <laughs> and so, and, and which is interesting is because my mom was always the one, like if they hit you, you hit them back. I'm giving you my permission. And she was like, if he touches you, yeah. you touch him back. Um, but they gave me that wisdom initially, like, hey, when you go to school, you need to pray. Even at this age, it was, you need to pray. Wow. And me as a kid, it was like, well, like, that's your job. Like, you pray for me. Right. But that was the moment that they really taught us when you walk out of this house, you need to pray. Mm -hmm. um, the second incident, which is really quick, and this was more so being an adult, before I came to church, I was just dri driving around in Los Angeles. Um, I think my brother was doing something, and I was going to his house. And I remember I had a Toyota Yaris in the front. I hit a cone on the freeway because I was falling asleep. That's me. That's my bad. But my car, the bumper, got chipped. And I remember driving around in LA, um, and I got pulled over. And I was like, my tags is cool, my license is cool, I got insurance, like what's the deal? Didn't run no red lights, nothing. Well, they pulled me over and they were like, hey, there was a hit and run last night, and this is, it must be you. And the exact words, it must be you. Um, and I'm like, wait, I, I don't even live out here. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to my brother's house. And they were like, well, we'll explain it. But they took me out of the car, they put me in handcuffs, put me in the back of the car. Um, and they started going through all my stuff, just searching everything. And the whole time I'm in the car, like, yo, I did not, I don't even live over here. Um, and my initial response was to, was to get, uh, get wowed. Um, and I was like, you know what? If you touch me again, in my mind I'm saying this, if you touch me again, um, I'm just gonna respond appropriately. Um, but, but I'll tell you the interest, the great thing about having that experience early on in the classroom is that in this moment, um, I just stopped and I started praying. And I started, I mean like out loud, like Lord, you're here with me, I trust you. And this is even before coming back to church and really being in the heart of church. This is just me knowing who God is, having that experience with my parents instilled in me. When you walk out of the house, pray, because you never know what could happen. That moment came back to mind, and in that moment, while I'm sitting in the car, I'm sitting there praying. And obviously they didn't find anything, but that again was a moment where I realized like, man, this is real deal, and I have to really be mindful and take heart what my parents were showing me early on. So those are my two experiences. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that's good stuff. Like that. 
Um, so I just want to just share a scripture here, and then I'm going to ask um, Gabby the next question. Uh, this is a scripture we shared last week, James chapter 2, uh, verse 9. Or I'll read verse 8, verse 8 and 9. If, if you really fulfill the law, royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Look at the person next to you. Say, hello, neighbor. Says you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. Here it is, verse nine. Verse nine, it says, but if you show partiality or prejudice, if you show partiality, you commit sin. Somebody say, somebody say partiality, partiality. Is, a sin. is a sin. Say prejudice, prejudice. Is, a sin. is a sin. Okay, uh, you, you commit sin and, and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And so, uh, with that said, I just kind of wanted to bring that into it because, um, so, uh, Gabby, with, with what Pastor Nick said here, um, how, how can we as a church community walk with those that are dealing with prejudice and racism? Or maybe, maybe, maybe us specifically or the church globally, how can the church do better maybe? Or, so if you want to just maybe speak to that, like how can we do better? Well, I think that the first thing that we can do is ask questions and not make assumptions. Ooh, that's good. Um, if you that's good. Have, if you're taking notes, that's a good one to write down. Seriously. <laughs> it, it's to ask questions and, and, you know, to, to really ask honestly and be ready to receive without having, you know, like walls up or without um, having these assumptions and just truly listen. Um, mm. I think ignorance is not bliss and assuming um, is not a good thing. So I think the first thing is when we don't understand or when we've been raised to look at a people a certain way and we don't have that experience firsthand, just ask somebody. And I think that that really opens up the doors to have a conversation, well, oh, okay, this person really wants to understand where I come from, what my background is, or, you know, just, or to squash the stereotypes or whatever. Um, so as a church, I think it's important to not be afraid to ask those questions either and to not stay silent. Like if the question just comes to mind, um, it's okay to, to ask and it's okay to be wrong and it's, it's okay to, um, to grow and be educated. So as a church, I think the first thing is, is to ask questions. And then the second thing is whatever the answer is, is to filter it through the word of God and to have a discussion and to really use the Bible to be like, okay, well, how does this align with what God says? How does this align with what God says about me, what God says about his people, what God says about love? So, um, and just being community, like what we're doing now as a church is just opening up the church doors or just in public, you know, or if you see an injustice, also to not be afraid to speak up and to not be afraid to be like, hey, that's not okay. Um, you know, sometimes we're put in situations where we're afraid to speak up. And as he meant, my pastor Sean mentioned earlier, I did study sociology and there's this thing where if somebody sees an injustice happening, like, you know, somebody's being um, assaulted outside of your house, you know, everybody assumes that somebody else is gonna call the police or everybody assumes that somebody else is going to do something about it. And you know what, who cares if you're the third person calling the police? Who cares if you're, you know, if, if, if they, they tell you, oh, we're, we're already having somebody out there. It's okay, you know, you can't assume somebody else is going to take care of it. If you see it, you do something about it, you know? Like, don't put yourself in danger, but at the same time, you know, don't be like, well, somebody else is gonna take care of it. Yeah. Because it's your community, it's your brothers and sisters, and it's a way also to, to, um, 
to spread God's love also, like, you know, to do what we are called to do. And so it could be something so small as calling the police, or it could be something so small as just interfering and be like, hey, that doesn't, that's not right, that's not okay, what you're saying is not fine. And that silences the people. And if you're that one person that speaks up, like, I, know, I don't know if you guys have seen, like, on YouTube videos of instances that happen, it's like, your courage can encourage somebody else to step up, and in numbers, shut that down right away. Amen, so. that's good, thank you. And just to go along with what Gabby said, James 1, chapter 19 says this, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear or quick to listen. Um, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And my wife kind of alluded to that on social media. Sometimes it's not words, it's social media posts, and it's like, you see that person at church, and on social media, it's like they are on a rampage. You're like, whoa, you know? Um, anybody know what I'm talking about? And we as Christians, we could do better. I'm not saying you're not frustrated or upset or something's not right but we can do better, quick to listen. And I think part of us doing this here was to create an environment where we can simply listen, amen? And so here's the next question here, if Raquel, if you don't mind jumping in on this one. Um, does white privilege exist? Where and, and how have you seen it? And how do we as Christians navigate through that? I know that's like a touchy one, but listen, uh, we're okay with touchy. We're okay with talking about this. And like Gabby said, I think that was just great. And Pastor Nick just kind of sharing. I mean, and, and, and this isn't political, right? This is, this is spiritual. Amen? And so anyway, does white privilege exist? And maybe, you know, just go yeah, for Can it. you repeat the, sure. the last Sure. Uh, it's like three questions. I'm sorry. But does white privilege exist? We can start there. Uh, but, and, and where and how have you seen it, you know, practically? And, then, and how do we as Christians navigate that? How do we, how do we as white Christians uh, navigate something like that and you know to to listen and to help and to be Jesus so yeah go for it I'll, I'm done all right um to answer that question um I'm gonna say yes white privilege does exist I think everybody has seen it especially just in the media um I was having I actually saw this question I was like you know what I hope I don't get this question but I have it so um I read an interesting definition of white privilege last night and it was um an invisible um, an invisible package of unearned assets, meaning you come into this world with your skin and, and with it comes this privilege that you didn't even earn. And I think on the other side of that is um, when you have another skin color, you come in with these hardships that you didn't even ask for and definitely don't deserve. Now you can all tell I'm real light. Um, this is actually as a result of self-tanner. So I think I sometimes get, I have that. I can get that white privilege. People often think that I'm not African-American and with that I get some very interesting comments because people think that I'm white. Um, but also I, I don't have those stories that people in my family have, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of um, just a diverse family. So, but it still is painful, obviously, knowing that my family, my people, my sisters and brothers in Christ are going through what they're going through. And um, so to answer your question, yes, I think it exists. I think the nurse that was just recently arrested for doing her job by a cop was a really good example of that because um, that cop was fired. Now, I'm not going to get too political on you. We've seen other cases where people of another color ended up dying and those cops still have jobs. So I'm going to move away from that. So yes, I think that is, exists. And I think how do we move through it as Christians? Um, we need to be praying. We need to be speaking up. Um, we need to, um, and I think sometimes it's easy to get overwhelmed and shut down and not want to watch the news because of it's so much. What can I do? 
I'm overwhelmed. I mean, I didn't really know this person, and, and especially if we are on the lighter side of things, well, this isn't really my problem, but I have a dad who's African-American. As long as I have to worry about him walking down the street and being harassed or being a part of youth ministry, worrying about African-American children and their moms telling them, don't wear a hoodie down the street, don't run. These are all our problems. It's yeah. all our problem. Right. You know, we're That's called to, um, yeah. to stand next to each other and to lift each other up, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. So this is a this is a human problem. It's not. It has nothing to do with the shade of our skin. Um, so we do. We need to be praying. We need to be. Um, uh, having a conversation and I think that's the toughest thing no one wants to talk about it everybody wants to post about it and put little comments in the in the window in their social media but that doesn't take any courage so we need to we need to talk it's about good. these things and um, keep it on the table keep it at the forefront as long as it's in the dark the enemy has access to it and um, that's what we don't want we need to just bust it wide open and just be like this is absolutely unacceptable and there needs to be accountability amen that's good amen yeah I would say too, like, you know, uh, you, when you talk about white privilege, I, I, may, I don't have certain problems that Hispanics or Samoans or, or black people have or Asians in this, in this nation because I'm white. But because they're my brother, it is my problem. That I, what can I do to help not sit here and defend my whiteness? I know I got two amens on that one. Because I'm not here, I'm not here to defend my whiteness. I'm here to love people and if anything, listen, amen? And so even just on white privilege here, and, and I'll ask uh, this other question, uh, another question here, uh, but just to give you even just some context here in Los Angeles, that up until 1948, that white property owners, 1948, they could create legally what they called prejudice contracts or racist contracts or covenants, meaning we, they could legally not allow a black or Mexican or Japanese person to live in their community. In Los Angeles, we're not talking deep south, we're talking, we're talking Boyle Heights, talking Compton. Compton originally was mostly quote unquote white people. They would not allow black people to live there. And so up until 1948, so, and just because the law changed doesn't mean the people in power changed. So to say white privilege doesn't exist, our community is formed ethnically in certain neighborhoods based on a privilege that was given to white people. We are inheriting that. Um, you know, none of us in here are victims, but to, to say white privilege doesn't exist, just if you look at legislation in the state of California up until mid-century, and just because the law is in the Bible doesn't mean people don't break it. Just because legislation changed, which is a good thing, you would think California didn't have that up until 1948, but they legally could say, blacks, you gotta live over there. We, can't, we won't illegally allow you to live here. And then when they moved in, their lawns got burned. Anybody gonna listen to Nat King Cole this Christmas? Anybody like yes, Nat sir. King? Yes. He, as a black man, purchased property in a place he could legally, but it was post that law. His, law got, his lawn got burned, and he had all kind of vandalism done because he was a black, uh, a stable, like affluent of his day, black man in a white community because he could legally live there. And he, he got persecuted for living, I believe it was Hancock Park, that, that he got, they tried to push him out of there. And so, so you know, that's a reality. So as a, as a Christian community, we need to listen to that. We need to step into that and accept the fact that something like that exists. Right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you the other side of yeah. uh, white privileges. It's it is literally 
uh, someone not giving an individual the benefit of the doubt because of the skin color. Yeah. So one, I'll give you a perfect example. It's like me, if I am, if I am walking down the street at night, um, I feel the need to make some noise. So if there's a white person in front of me, they don't get scared. Ser no, seriously, this is serious. This is a serious thing because they will assume because of the way I look like, oh, shoot, something's about to go down. And this is what happens with Trayvon Martin, where they assume he's got a hoodie on. So something's going to happen. I'm going to take matters into my own hand. Where at the end of the day, as Christians, we are called, believe it or not, to give every single person the benefit of the doubt. So my response towards you, I have to assume good of you until you show me otherwise. And once you show me otherwise, my responsibility is to love you, but I can do that from a distance as well. I don't have to be all up in your business. We don't have to be best friends, but I still need to love you and I still need to care about your well-being and your safety and things of that nature. But until you show me otherwise, I've got to give you the benefit of the doubt. And so the other side of that coin of white privilege is really feeling like, man, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to set off sirens or alarms so this person in front of me does not assume that something is about to happen. And, that, and that's the real deal for sure yeah it's similar when i go to the store yeah like, i'm like my purse is right here i'm not going to steal anything you know so yeah I, being in the grocery feel, store yeah i just feel like i have to put my purse in a place where they can see it that it's zipped that it's buckled like i still do this even now when i go into like a high-end store or something like that where i just make sure that my purse is visible that my hands are not in my pocket mm -hmm. pockets and um so yeah so very similar to that and i, I do catch myself doing that even now I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, if you see me giving hand signals, I'm telling them about the mic. Sorry, please <laughs> bear with me. Okay. Um, here's another one here. You guys, you guys getting some out of this? You guys enjoying this? It's good stuff. It's, a, it's some nitty gritty stuff. Um, but I appreciate y'all. I appreciate us as a community that, that w you're actually showing up to church to be a part of it, knowing what you're about to get into. And this is important. It is so important. If, if you look at Jesus, man, he was willing to cross boundaries. Read the story of the woman at the well and look at the history and the commentary on that. Number one, a woman. Number two, uh, 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 what they called a half-breed. Uh, she was half-Jew. She was Samaritan. Wasn't supposed to be talking to her for multiple reasons. And, and God used her to go preach into a city uh, and, and people got saved and encountered Jesus as a result of that. But Jesus was willing to step into the uncomfortable on a social, ethnic, and religious kind of boundary. And, and, and you know, he, and God challenged Peter, we read last week, you know, and so that's the church. We got to be willing to go there. Amen. So I really honor and appreciate you guys as a community like doing this. And, and this is awesome. So here we go. Next question. Um, here we go. The, the current outlash on professional, uh, mostly black athletes, and, and then the reporters typically are white, uh, and, and so reporters uh, and, and the elected officials are saturating the media. How can we support people that are using their influence or platform to address social injustices? Um, anybody want to answer that? Um, once again, how, how do we support and, and kind of maybe validate people that are maybe stepping out a little bit and, and without shooting them down saying, oh, they're just athletes, they need to keep their mouth shut? You know um, what, yeah, to, to be it. honest, I think it goes back to what Gabby was saying about listening. Yeah. Listen, right. because you can't assume that every single person who's going against the system or going against um, things that are happening in the world, you can't assume that they're all like 
oh, they're they've you know they've got it all together. It's like sometimes you can sometimes you can you can see someone going against something, and it really they're not right even on their end. Right. And so the first thing is to really listen. Really listen. What are they fighting for? What are they What are they fighting against? What is it? Is it more of a personal preference, or is it really injustice that's taking place? And once you decipher that, I think then it's your responsibility to really pray for that person because while you may experience on your level and it is completely different than being in the limelight and being a person of uh, stature, a person in, the in, in, in a business where they're high profile. Because that individual, there's more risk on that individual's life. And if you feel like, you know what, they're fighting for the same thing I'm fighting for, then pray for them. Because that's your way of joining that fight from a distance as well. Really praying for them, really supporting them in that aspect. But I think also in conversations where that person is brought up, where you know someone is like, you know, talking down about that person. I think if you really feel strongly about what they're fighting for, uh, again, it goes back to what Gabby was saying, speak up about it and make sure that person is, is being supported in the community and, in the, and, and on the level that you're at. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down to listening to what they're fighting for and what they're fighting about and really praying about that as well, joining that person in, in that prayer. Did you guys have anything, Raquel? Yeah, I yeah, think, too, it's important for us to realize where we live. Freedom of speech is part of our Constitution, and not to, like, get political, but, um, you know, we can't say that one group of people, they're allowed to express their... Um, their ideals or, or voice their opinions and then another group isn't. Um, it's, it's a part of our rights. Um, so I think it's important to, to look at that too. Like that right is actually being attacked and why. And also, just with this instance, um, the, the whole point of that is to open up a conversation about police brutality. When are we going to start talking about it? You know, that's the important thing. So um, where's the conversation? It's not about the, the moment when they're kneeling. It's, it's about beyond that. We need to be talking about these things. So I think that's important, too, is just keeping the conversation on the table. Like, what are we doing to, to make sure everybody's safe, mm-hmm. you know? That's good. Um, yeah, because as, from a Christian perspective, it's like the word of God, um, Jesus, the, the sacred scripture, that is number one, Christ behavior, and, but culture is important and understanding where people are and who they are, it's all over the book, you know, having an understanding, a listening ear and understanding culture because I think personally, this is my opinion here, if, if you got a white cop that grew up in a white bubble per se and he joins the police force in Boyle Heights or somewhere else, I think there should be some cultural requirement to him even police that area. Because like Pastor Nick said, white people are going to be scared because they don't know. And they shouldn't be scared, but they will be because it's just a foreign cultural environment. So they should like be required to serve at Sanctuary LA or something. And we'll, we'll kind of culturally assimilate them into the community. Somebody say amen. Bring, you know, come down from your heel, come and serve here. And we'll teach you a couple things. Amen? No, I'm serious, though. Like, or serving the Boys and Girls Club, because I believe that cultural element must be a part of that. Because I believe, what are they going to do? That music's too loud. Or why they stand like that? What? You know? Because that's how they were raised. And that's their culture. They're, they're not going to kill you. For, you know what I mean? It's like, your nervousness is going to attract some attention. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Somebody say amen. Amen. So I think some just need to chill out, but a way to chill out is to connect culturally. I believe that, that, kind of, that can help 
And I think that's what's so wonderful about Sanctuary LA because we'll help you uh, connect to some different folks. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, cool. Anybody else have anything to say to that? Like as far as, I know we kind of drifted there. Gabby, any comment or Pastor Nick? Yeah. No, I was gonna say what yeah. Raquel was saying about keeping that conversation on the table because you see a lot of people fighting for certain things and, and then you also see the, the backlash of them fighting for those certain things and it almost seems like their purpose and their intent for fighting gets misconstrued. Yeah, and yeah. so it, it becomes this thing of, oh, he's just disgruntled and he's just this. And th same thing with the whole Colin Kaepernick thing and him not being able to find a job. You have so many conversations where it's like, well, wait a minute, no, what was his point? His whole point was trying to bring up this conversation about police brutality and now you're making it about his socks and you're making it about the shirt he wore. And it's like, well, no, at the end of the day, his point for starting this whole thing was to bring up that conversation and to create and to create some change with it. Not to not just to be this guy who's going against culture just because, but because there was a conversation that needed to happen and his whole purpose was being uh, someone in the industry who was starting that conversation. Mm -hmm. So keep make sure when, when you're having these conversations on your level that you're coming back to the point, yeah. that you're coming back to the reason why, and then also look at it, again, filter it through the word of God and make sure that any conversation that you're having, there is some backup with scripture because I tell you what, there will be backup from scripture. You just have to go and seek it out and bring that to the table and watch how differently that conversation becomes because now it'll all be about well no it's not about that but at the end of the day no it is if someone is being treated if someone is being mistreated and the word of God says to treat everyone and to love everyone and love yeah, your neighbor yeah. as you yeah, love man. yourself you've got to be a part of doing that as well mm. um, awesome that's good stuff uh, Raquel uh, what two-part question what what do you appreciate about being mixed and then maybe what are maybe some unique struggles if if any or you know kind of being mixed or maybe not struggle maybe it's just a it's obviously a unique experience but why don't you share that I love being mixed I feel like just my existence my my genetic makeup is um, just evidence that there can be peace that there yeah. can be harmony that um, you know my parents and even beyond my parents my my father's grandparents were a biracial couple in the 1920s in Mississippi. So I just feel like wow. um, it's just proof that, you know, I had these pioneers in my family that looked beyond color and mm. fell in love with who they fell in love with. So I love it. I love that I don't have, um, it's not an option. It never was in our family to look at another race and just be like, oh, and have preconceived ideas. You know, uh, we, I, my little sister's Mexican. I was telling pastor like um, for a season, I had a grandpa who was, who was dating Asian women so we just our family was just so multi multicultural and I, I, I love that I love learning about different cultures and how they think and um, you know bits of wisdom that they have I just it's just something I really enjoy have I had my struggles with it yeah I, I got very shocked when I moved to Louisiana for multiple reasons um, and I and to be honest I got it on both sides um, for a while as a kid um, I would go to school and there would be um, black girls who would tell me that I wasn't that I wasn't black and they would they would make fun of me. So for a season, I would shy away from black women. I was afraid that they wouldn't like me because that good hair, and that's a whole nother thing. We won't go into that. But, um, so I have, and what I really learned in Louisiana is like, you know what, you don't like me, I don't like you either, so next. And I just really, I just, my, I just got a tough skin around it. Um, if you can't like me for what's inside, then that's right. your loss and that's your problem. Amen. Um, and, and then on the other side, because of how light I am, I would, you know, white people would approach me and tell me their thoughts about different races. And I was like, you, you're lucky I'm at work because you got things really 
she's like up right now undercover oh, over there yeah. so, <laughs> she like so undercover yeah, up, like y'all racist over there. but it's interesting because i didn't receive racism in a way where it was like they were trying to hurt me right like hurt my feelings but they were sharing what was deep inside of their heart yeah. that was heartbreaking um seeing mm. that this is really a belief system that you have and that you think is okay um is it's horrifying, you know, and my best friend in Louisiana, and she didn't know better, but she used to use the word colored. And I was like, girl, if you're going to hang out with me, you got to stop saying that word. Like, no one says that, you know, and I wasn't like, you're racist. I'm going to leave you alone. But she just didn't know, you know, so there's ignorance. Yeah. And um, so, so, yeah, I, I, I do. I love it. Um, I love being mixed. Um, yeah, does the answer okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I I like it. Um, Pastor Nick, like you're married to a white woman. I am. This is true. So what? Um. What do you appreciate about that? I, when I, I, we kind of talked about these questions. He's like, man, that's kind of a weird question. But he's like, keep it on, keep it on there. So anyway, uh, yeah, like, I mean, it is unique. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know what? It's, um, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the great, the best thing about um, being in an interracial marriage is um, that you get greater insight um, and more in-depth evaluation on perspectives. Hmm. So... <laughs> seriously and and on a comical level because being black looking in on um, white culture one of the things that we um, that we would we would talk about is like man very simple there's no flavor in this chicken <laughs> Thanksgiving it's true let me tell you Thanksgiving it's true is rough <laughs> He, I was, look, I was even, so... He ain't even happy. Yeah, I... He ain't I, even happy. He's sad because Thanksgiving yeah. was rough. I, um, I was let so it, thankful this year. Yeah, place. I'm, I'm going to let it place. out. I was so <laughs> thankful this year. Let me, let me, here's the progression, right? So a couple years ago, um, my wife and I, we would try to do this. Okay, we'll go to yours and yeah, we'll yeah. go to mine. Um, the last couple years, my wife ended up going to my side of the family. And now it's like she doesn't want to go back because... <laughs> And watch, because the first year I was like, how y'all only eating steamed vegetables for Thanksgiving? <laughs> and Life this year, yeah, and then this year she was like, I just hate that they eat steamed vegetables for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I'm like, you see what I'm talking about. So, so I get it, I get a really good, I, I get some insight oh on, and that's, and, and the, that's and the answer good. that I get from that is that that's just how they cook all year round. So it's not just Thanksgiving. So I know oh, I need to eat before I go. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But uh, let me, let me yeah. give you this, this serious, the serious, the, the best thing about being <laughs> in that type of marriage is that when issues oh, happen right. in society, yeah, yeah. Um, I, would, I would say if, if you ask the question like, what do I do when I see something on TV and injustice and things of that nature? One thing I would say is that you need to, you need to get that out. Have conversation yeah, with yeah, people. Yeah. Have yeah. conversation with people of the same race, but then also have conversation with people of a different race so Good. you understand. It's and the brilliant. reason why I say both is because the first one, you can kind of exchange some, some things. And you can kind of, I can talk to somebody and they may have a different perspective, the same skin color, but they may have a different perspective on the situation and a different angle that I'm not looking at it from. But when I go to my wife with this type of thing, I can get some understanding from yeah. her as far as where they may be coming from on a situation. 
And I can, and, and, and to sum that up, I can educate, but I can also be educated about what's going on. Because it would be easy for me to look at it and be like, man, that's just, that's just white folk, just like white folk. And then my wife will come in and, and, and she'll say, well, no, that's not how, I don't know how they're doing it, but that's, that's not how we do it. And I can yeah. get a better understanding. The food, though, that is just white folks. Yeah. That's just... <laughs> Y'all with them steamed vegetables, you need to put some garlic salt on it. But, but no, it's it's at the end of the day. Oh, it's at the end of the day. Um, and we can have fun with this. I told Pastor Sean last week. Y'all seemed like I was a little tense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Talk but no food. Thanks yeah, really right? loves food. <laughs> or some, you know, tamales will help you. Exactly. Tamales. Enchiladas. But but no, the, the, the short of it is is your ability to educate and, and be educated and, and you get some great yeah. insight on how they think and how they feel and, and even even on a spiritual level, man, just mm. her family versus mine, like they'll go through something and it'll be like a house of chaos and worry. And where on my end, my mama is like, just pray about it. Just, just pray about it and, and everything will be all right. And it's like you get that understanding and you can come in with what you know and, and help that environment, but you can also take away um, and, and find out why it is the way it is. So it's really the education between, um, between both sides. That's good. And just to clarify, my wife and I and our family, we're going to Roscoe's after church. There so you go. There you go. Children. Yeah. For real. So, all right, here we go. Here's, a, here's another question here. Uh, uh, this can, anybody can answer this one. Uh, what is something you appreciate about a relationship, a person you have with somebody that is not your ethnicity, nationality, or race? What is something you appreciate about that relationship with somebody outside of your culture? Gabby. Growing up in like the, the Los Angeles school district for the first seven years of my life and then moving into an area where um, it was not as diverse, but then diversity started coming into the city. Um, I always was intentional intentional about seeking other um, relationships with people that were different than me mm. just because um, I just you know I, I dealt with a lot of like well I don't want them to reject me and things like that so I would just learn to make friends with people and find one thing that we were in common with like oh I like your scrunchie or I like your earrings or you know TV shows or whatever so um, as I've grown and made relationships what I've learned to appreciate is number one the food <laughs> um, and and just number two like just cracking up about like how our parents raise us yeah. you know or finding things to laugh about yeah. together That's and good. learning about each other through hmm. comedy and laughter and just yeah. um, and she, like for instance um, this past weekend I had Friendsgiving with one of my friends and you know she's very hospitable in the foods that she makes and just looking around the table and seeing all the different cultures that were around and just we all went around saying what we're all thankful for and just I just appreciate the heart of everybody we all have the same thing in common like we're thankful for our friends we're thankful for our family we're thankful that we're adults and we have cars and we can you know you know like we're just thankful for many things that bring us together but then you know there's things that are different like knowing the proper name for a spoon uh, something that i didn't grow up with you know like or just just things like that so just I love learning and I love to learn about different cultures and I love to learn about um, what I can bring to the table and just take a little bit of what other people bring to the table as well. So just, That's and I learned good. that with any culture, like male, female, what, you know, I just, so I just, yeah. That's good. Anybody else? Yeah, I wanna. Yeah, actually, um, for the first 
few years of, of like being in school, um, I would say like sixth grade to like ninth grade, I had like predominantly white friends, again, Fontana. Um, and then the second half of like high school, like all my friends like switched. And one of the things that I learned, and even also, um, I used to work at a store called Crate and Barrel, um, and I was like the only black dude in the building. And, um, and that's, really? that's, yeah, seriously, yeah. Crystal Gale is probably the only black lady in container store too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. the thing that I got out of those experiences, one of the things that I learned is that you, you start to not only see that, man, we've got so much in common. We've got more in common than we thought we did. But then you also get, uh, you, you value differences. Yeah, that's good. You start that's, to value like, like, man, this is, this is great. I, I love that about your culture. Like, yeah. like even, even with, with my wife's family, like there's, there's, there's this thing, there's this divide in, in black culture sometimes where we're family, but we could fight like we don't know each other. And, and it seems like that's only in our culture. And I don't know if that's in other cultures, but it's like, dude, aren't we cousins? Like, and you. But with my wife's family, like, they can fight, but at the end of the day, it's like, you gonna take me to the store? Yeah, I'll take you to. And it's like, what? She just called you, what? And you, you gonna take her to the store? And so you start to value, yeah, you start to good. value those little things, and you start to get these little tidbits that you didn't think. I swear, man, being at Crate and Barrel and, and being with much like 60 something white ladies, I learned so much that I use today. Day in in my own home that you yeah. wouldn't even believe, but it's because you gain those experiences. It's beautiful, and I think beautiful. I think you have to be intentional about getting those relationships. Even now in my spiritual walk, yeah. I remember telling Pastor Sean, like, man, I want to be on your team, and not because he was like a pastor, but because he was white and he was a pastor. And I was like, I need that type of experience. I know a ton of black pastors, but I don't know a whole lot of Caucasian pastors, so I need that experience. Even now looking for spiritual leaders and spiritual fathers, I'm trying to seek out people who look much different than me, who act Beautiful. much different than me, who are older than me so that I can yeah. gain something because there's something that you know that I don't know yeah. and I can only get from having this relationship with you. So there's a value that you get from being with different cultures for sure. That's good. Real quick here, and I'll ask one more question at, and Raquel, you can speak to that if you'd like as far as the different ethnicities your relationship but Romans 10 verse 12 says this for there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile for the same Lord look at your neighbor and say we serve the same God so it's for the same Lord over all the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him the same Lord over all uh, and so, uh, did you want to speak to that as far as my relationship? And then I had one more question and we'll close. Uh, you guys get something out of this today? Yeah, as I was just thinking um, and just really seeking the Lord about like what, you know, help me to, you know, say what you want people to hear. And I, just, he kept reminding me of John 3, 16, John 3, 16, where he brought his only son for every single one of us. It wasn't for, I, you know, yeah. my son died for white people or for black people or Greek. It was for every single person. And I think if we're carrying old mindsets and we're saved and we've decided that Jesus the Lord of our life and we're not giving him that, that area, then he really isn't Lord of our life. 
And um, the only way to break free from that is to, um, to get into his word. Because he says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. So if you're not completely free, um, then that is, um, that's something that you need to step into. You're not fully stepping into um, all the access that you have when you become a child of God. And so I think that that's, that's the important thing is that he died for every single one of us. And when you don't know your value, when your value comes from the world, then I think it's natural to look at another person and be like, well, I'm better or worse than you because of fill in the blank. But that's not accurate. That's not the truth. And that's the only, t that's the only way we can learn our true identity is through the truth. And God's truth is in his word. And he says, I am the word. So um, just that was my, just my final thought is that we're all, we're all the same. You know, we're all children of God and we don't have time or room um, for these old mindsets. They're just going to hold us yeah. back. That's good. That's really good. Uh, here it is real quick. And you might have caught some things here uh, with where um, just through the conversation. But I just wanted to ask us one question and maybe something you guys could give us. What's a, what's a practical takeaway that we, I, we could walk out of this gathering and say, man, I can do this differently. I can, what's something practical we could do to love people? Practically we could do to maybe step outside of our bubble, our little tight-knit circle. Like, what is something practical that we could apply some doing of this that could help us and help others and kind of to, to step into the unity and the love and the you know, and, and, and not defending, listening, all that good stuff. So once again, here's the question. What is one thing we could do practically um, that we, we could apply something, we could take action? So you guys could, whoever wants to go first, uh, maybe just share what's that one thing, and then we'll pray, guys. Um, I, I would say a couple of things. Number one, I would say be intentional about being inclusive That's good. Of, of everybody. So you're at work in the lunchroom, don't, don't exclude others just because, oh, she's a weirdo. Like, try to, try to be inclusive. If you Good. see, and, and be intentional about pointing things out. Like, if you like, I used to tell people this, you know, in sales when they would ask, like, man, how do I approach people? If you see something you like, say it. Like, man, I love your hair today. Or, man, I love your shoes. I love your bag. And that starts the conversation. Oh, I got it from so-and-so. You shop there? Yeah, I shop. And then you start to build this, this commonality with that person. Be be, be intentional about including others into what's going on. And then the other thing I would say is like, man, be mindful of culture. Like people, sometimes we, we take people's culture as, and we mix it up. We take it as, that's a cultural thing for them, but you assume it's a religious thing for them. And it's like, well, no, that's their culture. So aside from their religion, they're going to do that because that's their culture. That's um, their culture, their religion, and then also be mindful of, of moral character uh, because that's when it gets down to, okay, there's a problem here right. when you get into character. So be yeah. mindful of those, of those three different things and don't allow those things to mix. Don't say because they wear this, like they must be crazy like no that is just how they've grown up and that's their culture separate that from their religion which will tell them which will inform you about other things that they do in life and then also separate that from their their moral character which will then get down to the root of some of the things that that maybe you don't agree with but at the end of the day be inclusive of every single person and be intentional about that that's good uh gabby or raquel I think um, prayer too. I think if we look around that's all great. our lives and um, all of our friends look like us and all of our friends think like us and, and act like, like we need to diversify in that area. So just praying like, God, bring me some, you know, I need to, 
mix it up a little bit. Lord, I pray you just bring me people and people that need to not only um, experience the love of God, but they can see maybe they don't have any mixed friends or maybe they don't have any Hispanic friends. Like, let me let me show them a little flavor. Let me, you know, add <laughs> right. them yeah, to their yeah, life. Yeah. And I think yeah, that, amen. that um, even just doing that is a way, and he'll listen and he'll do it, you know, because that's what he does. So that's, I think that's, that's way, beautiful. an intentional way of just changing things up a little bit. Um, Gabby? And to add to that too, I think it's really important that um, you really look at yourself in a mirror, figuratively speaking, and just say, Lord, what in me do I need to change? You know, like, because just because we're hurt from something doesn't mean that we're right. Like, what I feel doesn't mean that it's right. Sometimes the way that I feel about a certain situation or about a person or whatever, or sometimes I'll even check myself and be like, oh, I just thought that, or I just said that out loud. And it's like, you know, like, and then I feel terrible, but at the same time, it's not like, oh, I feel terrible, whatever. It's like, really be intentional to yourself about your own thoughts. And like, instead of being like my bad and blowing it off, it's just like, no, like, I need to work on this. So look in the mirror and be like, and, and ask the Lord too, like, reveal to me in my, like, reveal to me my heart and things that I need to change. You know, because yeah, they may have a stereotype about you and they this and they that, but what about me? What is it in me that I'm throwing out there that I shouldn't be? Like, you know, Lord, correct me. Send somebody to correct me. Send somebody to adjust me so that I align with the way, the thing, the way that you want me to see or address the situation. Because it's so easy to point the finger and be like, this group of people and they and they and they. But it's like, no, take, five minutes, just five minutes of your day to reflect like, okay, what is something that I'm doing that I can do better or something that yeah, I'm doing that I good. shouldn't do? And Lord, reveal those things to me yeah. and um, help me walk this, walk this out, so. That's beautiful. Uh, my wife wanted to read something here and then we'll uh, close in prayer. Um, give it up for these panelists, man. This yeah. was excellent. Um, I just wanted to close with this. It's something a friend of mine sent me, and it really speaks to this whole conversation um, about growth happens when you find yourself a little uncomfortable. You find yourself in the uncomfortable, it's time to grow a little bit. And um, she sent this to me. It's really quick, but I'll just uh, read it. Listen. Just listen. Everywhere there are voices mourning protesting, advocating, entreating, venting. Listen to them. And when you're inclined toward disbelief, suspend it. Open your ears and your eyes and close your mouth. Rather than objecting or correcting or judging or condemning, listen. Never tell people how to cope with injustice. Don't police their pain. Embrace every opportunity to learn. Do the work, click the links, read the writings, watch the clips. Don't avert your eyes from the realities with which we have no choice but to live. Let yourself be uncomfortable. Perceive that blessings in which, perceive that the blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. Remember that um, it's so important to listen. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself to be uncomfortable because that's what causes you to start to think. When, you're un when you get a little uncomfortable, you start to think, why am I so uncomfortable? 
how do I get myself back into my comfortable spot? Well, maybe you're not supposed to get back into your comfortable spot. Right. Maybe the Lord's trying to shift you into something new. But just, just remember and listen. I think that's the common thread yeah. here to that's really good. embrace it and listen to what God's speaking to you and just listen to people around you. You can't run from it. It's happening. We live in it. So how do we live in it and still be a light and be a voice? Thank you for listening to the Sanctuary LA podcast. Tune in again next week and stay awesome and be blessed.